Hello, North Texas sports fans. Welcome to Sports Day Insider from the Dallas Morning News. It's your weekly update on all things Cowboys, Rangers, Mavericks, Stars. Should I go on? I'm Kevin Sherrington. I'm Evan Grant. And I'm David Moore. We break down the calls, the playmakers, and all the inside scoop right here every Tuesday. And you can stay up to date on every Sports Day Insider episode and other great shows. Just follow the Dallas Morning News wherever you get your podcast. And if you like what you hear, don't forget to rate the Dallas Morning News feed. It really does make a difference. Guys, can we get the show started? Let's do it. Here we go, sports fans. Hello, everybody. Welcome into Sports Day Insider with Evan Grant, my old pal. Hi, Evan. How are you? Hello, Kevin. Hi. How are you? What's what's going on? That is the worst hello and greeting you've ever given me. First of all, it took you like 10 seconds to figure out what to say, and then you sounded so bored when you did it. Uh, did, the, did the message come across about the big delay in production? Yeah, yeah, I did. It did. One one of our members seemed to be a little confused as to what the vacation schedule was that we agreed upon a couple of weeks ago. I guess that would be David Moore, who is the third member of the of our little uh, troika here, and he's uh, he's on vacation, so he's uh, he's out uh, today. Let me ask you this, but Evan, what you what you do for July the fourth? Um, let's see, what did we do for July the 4th? We had a great big misunderstanding with uh, my mother-in-law, um, that led to her not coming real over. Fireworks? Oh, real fireworks. Okay. Yeah, there were, like there were, I wouldn't say it was fireworks. It was just kind of a, uh, if we're going to use those terms, just kind of a dud. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, you know, we, we bought this, uh, this fancy townhouse down here in downtown Dallas so that we could, uh have this roof deck so that we could watch fireworks off of the bridge. I mean, that was pretty much the entire reason for buying this house. Is that what the realtor told you? No, that was, that was my thinking because I'm a very rational human being. Um, and, uh, so this is the third consecutive year that we've lived in a house that we've managed not to see any fireworks off of the bridge because there were none this year. Oh, that's terrible. So, if you had been with me here in Russellville, Arkansas, where I met my in-laws and where my brother-in-law left us, I don't know. It, it seemed like a thousand dollars worth of fireworks. I mean, these were large boxes that you, that you light a fuse and then these rockets go off. I, I think that this is what, you know, they have in North Korea that they're setting up in these silos, uh, and, and in, and in China. And I'm telling you, it's, it's unbelievable, but they, but, uh, we set those off and managed not to kill anybody. So it was really good. Uh, yeah, we had a good time. So we, uh, what we did is, um, uh, young stepdaughter had a party out in flower mound and she went there and we said, look, just have fun. We'll, we'll, we'll pick you up later on. So, um, we picked her up and, uh, we came back home and, uh, we got off, uh, of, uh, 35 at uh, Wycliffe there by the Anatole and kind of came over the bridge that is Wycliffe slash Sylvan. And um, at 11 o'clock at night, both sides of the bridge were just packed with parked cars. 
the median of the bridge was just packed with parked cars. And if you slowed down at the top of the bridge and just looked out over West Dallas, you saw what amounted to be professional fireworks going off because the entire neighborhood was just going crazy. Um, and then I got up the next morning and I read about the Columbus Blue Jackets goalie who was killed in a fireworks accident. Yeah, and like, that was a terrible story, wasn't it? Yeah, I just... I don't even... I, I don't really have it straight exactly what happened other than he got hit in the chest, he fell, he hit his head. There were a number of things that seemed to have happened and it was just a terrible, terrible accident. I believe he was in a hot tub at the time. That, that's what I, that, everybody was scrambling to get out of the hot tub. And that's, and, and I, I don't understand the actual events that happened, but it was a terrible, terrible thing. So I, I have to tell you, I'm very, I was very nervous about this whole fireworks thing here. Usually the extent of my fireworks is to hand a sparkler to uh, one of the kids and say, here you go. Uh, so this was a little different for me. I, I like watching fireworks. I don't like having to deal with um, our dogs when the fireworks go off. Uh, but I am completely okay to leave fireworks to the professionals. Yeah. And then uh, that's the case pretty much. And I segue for the Rangers as well. They leave the, the fireworks to uh, other professionals uh, for the most part. Uh, although this year we have... Not one, not two, but three Rangers made the all-star team. Evan, this is, this is, when is the last time you're supposed to know this kind of stuff? When is the last time the Rangers had three, as many as three representatives on the all-star? I think you have to go all the way back to, um, 2019. <laughs> two years. Is that what it was? That was the last all-star game that was actually played. Yes. They had, uh, Mike Miner, Hunter Pence, who then was replaced and, uh, Joey Gallo. Oh, Hunter Pence. So, yeah, that that uh, that was a last uh, swan song for him. As I yeah, but I, 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 there's a lot of different ways you can look at this. Uh, these three All-Stars um, being on a team. And one is this is a rebuilding team. And, and here, you know, it's, it's one of the youngest rosters in the big leagues. And you've got you've got three All-Stars. So does that say something that you've got something of a core here that you can build around? Or does it say that uh, you've just gotten lucky and, and you should trade these guys as quickly as possible? Um, the other part of it, I think, is that, you know, you look at the journey that these guys made to be all-stars. And, and Kyle Gibson was a free agent signee. He's the third pitching free agent signee over the last three years with the Rangers who has been offered a spot in the all-star game. As we mentioned, Mike Miner in 2019, Lance Lynn was offered a late spot in 2019, but declined. And Gibson is, is going this year. Um, certainly seems to indicate to me that the Rangers are doing a good job lately of identifying uh, free agent pitchers that can be successful. Um, Adolis Garcia is an all-star. This is a guy who was designated for assignment twice and traded for cash. Certainly appears to be a good, um, both a good scouting decision and a good development uh, plan. And then there's Gallo. And, you know, he's been in consecutive All-Star games now. Uh, he is an elite defender. Uh, you look at, I, I've, I've started looking at his war over the last three years. And certainly he's not Mookie Betts or Mike Trout. But if you compare him with any other outfielder over that time period, War-wise, if not, you know, batting average and, and necessarily any of the individual numbers, war-wise, he stacks up as an elite outfielder. So, um, 
it does give you some pause as to exactly what the Rangers need to do here. Yeah, that's that's the issue for me here in, in discussing all this, and and uh, and and you're right to bring up the fact that the Rangers have uh, have done some good things here. You know, they have uh, um, they figured out some stuff. They they've certainly shown they do a good job uh, fixing you know uh, free agent pitchers. Uh, that's uh, I, I I kind of surprised that it hasn't gotten a little more traction nationally. The fact that they've been able to do this, I don't know. I guess I don't pay enough attention to what everybody else is doing and what other clubs are doing or they have the same kind of you know success that the rangers are having or not but it, but these are guys who have been major there are only three pitchers in all of big league baseball kevin you have to understand that there's jacob de grom there's uh um shohei otani and um there was up until this really horrific situation that appears to be going down in los angeles trevor bauer and nobody paid any attention to anybody else so yeah, these are guys who have been, you know, a major trade market speculation. Uh, not maybe maybe Gibson a little less so uh, for whatever reason. I'm not really sure why that is. Uh, I guess because uh, um, he, he had not had the success that Miner or um, or that Lance Lynn had had before. But let me ask you this about that situation. So um, I, I think. You know what's going to happen here. If the Rangers hold on to these guys, uh, or, you know, any of them, two of the three, all three, one of the three, uh, and then that then that player does not come back next year or the big year, the reaction will be, well, what a huge mistake the Rangers made. They they shouldn't have been trying to do that. Uh, you know, they should have they should have gotten rid of this guy when they had the opportunity to do so. Um, and if they, uh, of course, then if they, or if they trade these guys, uh, and it, it doesn't end up to be a, a, a great player, you know, good, uh, uh, return on the, uh, on the trade. And that guy goes on to be a superstar, which, uh, I, frankly, I still think that Joey Gallo has that potential as, as we've talked about before, not only because of what we've seen with, uh, with the sticky stuff, you know, what his, what his, uh, record has been since then. And uh, what we might see if uh, if uh, if shifts are outlawed, uh, I would think that would have a, a big bump in what Joey can do. And and when you combine that with everything else that he does, uh, defensively running the bases, uh, you know, uh, he he's got a lot of potential to be a really good player. So and and I think I think that fans still believe there's that Mark Teixeira trade out there that you're going to make. And and I frankly just don't believe in that kind of thing anymore. I think that's all from the past. I don't think anybody's made that kind of trade recently, unless it let Fernando Tatis jr. Is the closest thing I can think of to that kind of deal. Yeah. And that was, you know, it wasn't even a, a high profile, a, a really terribly high profile deal. Um, I, I feel like the market very much is a buyer's market, um, and has been for the last couple of years. Uh, Maybe because you've got control of Gallo, you'd have control of Gallo for another year after this year. Um, and maybe there is the thought that, hey, as early as next year, maybe shifts could be outlawed, that Gallo would see a big jump. Um, I, I just, I, I feel like we keep trying to compare Joey Gallo to conventional numbers for elite players. And I think that what has changed is that what now defines 
elite is not the same as it once was. And sure, you would like to see him have a higher batting average. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibilities. I think this guy could go from, say, 235 to 260 in the course of a season. And if he does, then he's an MVP candidate because his OBP is going to be well over 400 and his slugging percentage is going to be well over 500. Uh, and then you, you you pair that with really good base running. He's not going to steal a ton of bases, but he's a very good base runner and he's faster than people ex- uh, believe. And he's he's the best defeat. He's as good a right field defender as there is in Major League Baseball. Certainly right now, the best in the American League. So you factor all that stuff in and you've got you've got a very valuable player. I think the biggest strike on Gallo for me still is this, that, and it's, it's hard to define, Kevin, but I think the eyeball test on Gallo still says, look, when the game is on the line, he still it still feels like he's an easier out to retire than maybe he should be. And I think the, the the stat that I look at about the third time through facing a pitcher, his numbers actually go down. Um, could those things improve? Yeah, I think those things could improve. And if they do, then again, I mean, this guy goes to the next level. And the, the question here, I think, is if you let Joey Gallo go, um, at the end of all this, he's potentially a $300 million player on the free agent market. If you sign him now and you, you, you give him say $150 million, maybe you are overpaying him, but that's a wide variety in terms of value to potentially let go. Um, and that's my big concern. Yeah, it is. It'd be my concern as well. And, and of course, uh, we know, uh, on the, uh, on Adolis Garcia, uh, he's uh, under contract, very minimal terms for the Rangers for five years. And so that whatever happens with him, he ends up uh, being a star. If he ends up being Danny Santana, uh, you know, they're not out any money for that. Uh, and it didn't cost him anything to acquire him. This is, this is a, a win-win situation for the Rangers, whatever happens with Adolis at this point. Uh, certainly Kyle Gibson, uh, a guy that, uh, uh, and, and I don't know if we've ever talked about this and not that it really matters that much, but, uh, but, you know, besides being a really good pitcher, he's really a good guy. Uh, and I, I wish I could spend some time actually talking to him other than just on a zoom. Uh, but you know, just seems to be such an upbeat, really nice guy, really good teammates. And then of course, that's what everybody's saying and judging by Joey's comments about Adolis is the same way. Uh, everybody, you know, Joey's saying that he was as happy that adult, that Adolis made it as it was that he made it, you know, cause people like him so much. And I guess this is uh, one of the unfortunate sides of what everything that's going on now is that, you know, we're not getting to know these guys as well. Certainly you know them a lot better than I do. Uh, but, um, it, it I, and I think those are kind of factors going forward. You, you like having these kind of guys in your clubhouse. You like having guys that, that, that get along with the other players. Well, that are, that are good mentors. And certainly in a pitching staff, it isn't, you know, the, the whole idea for the Rangers at this point going forward was that not that the, the rotation would be fronted by the guys that are coming up from their system. They'd be fronted by guys. They'd sign as free agents, Right. And so, well, you have one of those right now. And, and obviously you, you've only got him for next year, this year and next year. But I would certainly think that he would be amenable to a contract at this point. 
Yeah, and I I think that there's um even without the contract talk, I think there is there is a a conundrum there to what to to the that you kind of described um this is as we've mentioned this has been a buyer's market the last few years uh so don't expect that you're going to trade kyle gibson and get somebody's top prospect so that said you've got you've got a pitcher here who has contributed with with really strong performance but has also contributed and bought into the idea of i need to help these young pitchers grow whether that's through performance, whether that's through being available to talk, whether that is through simply um, just being an ally. Uh, and then you factor in also that, hey, this team wants to make a jump next year. They may not jump into contention, but they need to take a step forward on the field. This is going to be their fifth consecutive losing season, the, 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 the longest stretch of losing seasons in Rangers history. They need to show some improvement. And a guy like Kyle Gibson in the middle of that rotation or in the top half of that rotation gives them innings, gives them some stability. Uh, and the salary is only seven and a half million dollars. It's not like they've got a lot of numbers on the books. It's not like they have to dump this salary to uh, to really get their payroll down. There's not a lot of reason to trade Kyle Gibson unless you feel like you get real value for him. And I still feel like it's going to be hard to obtain that in this trade market. Yeah, I think so too. It's just hard for me to give up uh, what seems to be a known quantity for something that you just have no idea about. All right. Speaking of which stuff we have no idea about, uh, let's look at the, uh, the, the MLB draft that's coming up this weekend. Uh, and uh, the Rangers, of course, with the second pick, uh, been a lot of speculation about what that would be. I know that uh, early on I was all over Kumar Rocker. Uh, I think that uh, uh, conventional wisdom says that's not such a good idea. Even my wisdom says it doesn't look, look like such a good idea with the second pick anymore. Uh, I got to tell you, I am, uh, if he's available, I am now a Jack Leiter guy with the second pick. Yeah, I, you know, I think the argument that still takes place inside the Rangers front office is is got is going to come down to what's the potential best value in terms of long-term long-term commodity um and the three shortstops that's always going to be look if you get a franchise caliber shortstop that's always going to be more valuable than a number than even a top of the rotation pitcher um the wild card is is henry davis the catcher from louisville because as we've talked about and as I've written, I think the catching position is going to change pretty dramatically with some rule changes over the next couple of years. Um, so all those all those conversations have to be had. I, I'm with you. I've been a Vanderbilt pitching fan um, really from day one. I, I think that Rocker uh, is probably fatigued and maybe a little bit hurt this year. Uh, and, and I, I think that over time that's going to come back to be, to be shown, um, that he'll be, he'll be just what people predicted he would be. Uh, but certainly lighter has outpitched him this year. If you go with either of those Vanderbilt pitchers, I, I've got to tell you that from my perspective, I think you're strengthening a strength in this organization right now, and you're going to have somebody who can move quickly and help this team. and. I think either one of those guys is going to be a long-term contributor. Will it be the best potential player in the draft? 
don't know that I can make that call, but I, I know that I need to get a guy who's going to contribute long-term, and I feel comfortable with both of those guys. Yeah, and the Rangers uh, don't have a great uh, record in the draft. We all know that, even going back uh, a lot further than uh, the John Daniels years. Uh, but they do have some success with college pitchers that they've taken high. You know, Kevin Brown, Bobby Witts, uh, th- those were guys that uh, that did some good things. I I just feel like if you don't take uh, and I know that, you know, the, the feeling is that those shortstops are really good, uh, but one is not a dominant player. That's the problem with this draft. There is not a player that everybody says, wow, this is clearly the number one pick of this draft. Uh, one of these guys may turn out to be that. I just feel like with as much trouble as the Rangers have had finding a pitcher in the draft, if Jack Leiter ends up being that guy or Kumar Rocker ends up being a guy that who's like that and they don't take him, I think they will never hear the end of it. So, so that uh, that's going to do it for our, our Rangers uh, uh, segment of the podcast. Uh, we are also going to talk about today uh, a couple of things uh, in our little uh, potpourri segment here. You know, we were off last week and we didn't really talk about the uh, confirmation of the fact that both Jason Kidd was returning uh, to be the head coach of the Mavericks and that Nico Harrison, an executive with Nike, would be the new general manager. You know, one of the things that the Mavericks lost uh, with the dismissal of Donnie Nelson, uh, whatever else you think about him, he was uh, a terrific uh, connection to players in Europe. Uh, There wasn't anybody, isn't anybody in the NBA who has more connections in Europe than Donnie does. Uh, his uh, right-hand man was was fired uh, in January over uh, uh, pro, you know sexual uh, harassment and assault allegations that were made against him last year, and now Donnie is gone as well. Those two things don't have anything to do with each other. Uh, the the issue uh, that Donnie had with Mark Cuban was over the presence of Bob Bulgaris and the rise of the former professional gambler, or he may still be a professional gambler for all I know in the organization. So, um, so now what the Mavericks are going to have to rely on with Nico Harrison is that they do a better job a in the draft and B signing free agents. This has been the, uh, the big black mark against Mark Cuban. I think probably a little unfairly, uh, you know, if you're, if you're not on one of the coasts, it's hard to attract big name free agents. Um, so, uh, we'll see though, what Nico Harrison does, you know, we, we saw some speculation last week that the, uh, the Mavericks would be among, uh, two or three teams that will be chasing Kawhi Leonard. Uh, and I know you would ask why would Kawhi Leonard leave the Clippers? Well, uh, Kawhi's a little different. Uh, he's, he's, uh, kind of, uh, uh, the kind of guy who, who marches to his own, uh, drummer. So, We'll see what he does. Do you think, Evan, that uh, um, we should be judging Nico Harrison now by what the Mavericks do in free agency this summer? Is that fair? It it sounds like that. Well, go ahead and take a drink before you talk, though, Evan. Go right ahead. I was choking on something, Kevin. Um, It sounds like. You're constantly choking, but don't let that uh, stop you now. Well, stop talking about my writing, okay? Okay. Uh, It it sounds like that basically what the Mavericks have done is put together a nice recruiting team, and that that's that's the way they're looking at the coach and general manager's position. Um, They have failed on 
on on luring the big time free agents that they wanted to ever since they uh, ever since they won the NBA championship. You know that should have been that should have been a springboard into uh, the potential of an era of dominance, and it, it really wasn't. It was kind of the end of kind of the the, the beginning of the end. So um, it's hard for me to grasp exactly what it is an NBA general manager does, does these days um, because so much power, it seems, just rests with the players. Um, players often dictate who the coach is. The coach, um, as you said, it's about building relationships and making it a desirable place to play. And, and I think the general manager and, and the, the general manager rolls into that the biggest difference, I think, is that, you know, Donnie Nelson was a big-time scouting guy, um, and they've done a great job on scouting. They've done a great job on international scouting, and I, I, I'll be interested to see how this impacts that. Yeah, this will be interesting uh, going forward. I, I, I'm not going to say that Nico Harrison's a failure if they don't come up with something this summer. For, for one thing, they don't have a lot of money available to them. They, they can't give out a max contract. Now, if if they don't re-sign Tim Hardaway, first of all, uh, that, that would be an issue. Now, if they, they don't re-sign Tim Hardaway, yeah, then they're going to have about $29 million, uh available uh, to them. Uh, I'd I, I think that would probably be a mistake not to sign Tim Hardaway, although he is uh, coveted by Miami and he has indicated he might be amenable to that kind of thing. Uh, so we'll, we'll see uh, where he goes uh, from that standpoint. But uh, if they if they re-sign Tim, then they're only going to have about $9 million left probably, and uh, I don't know what you do with that. You, you'd have to make a trade at that point. You'd have to do a sign-and-trade with somebody probably, uh, and that would probably – include someone like Chris Tapps Brzingis, who's under a max contract. I don't, I don't know that anybody's going to take Chris Tapps Brzingis right now uh, and give you a superstar in return. And I, I guess that, you know, the, the trouble that I have is it, it does seem like, you know, so much of what, of, of how Nico will be judged is what immediate impact does he have on the organization? And to me, it runs kind of, um, uh, it's diametrically opposed to, how I would view a general manager. I view a general manager as, as long-term. And I think everything in the NBA right now is what can you do for me immediately? And can you, you know, can you make a, a championship team basically overnight? And if you can't, then it's on to the next guy. Well, and that's so especially true though, when you have a superstar uh, point guard and you don't want to be wasting those years and your, your potential of uh, becoming a, uh, a championship team uh, when you've got a guy like Luka Doncic, who just now lifted Slovenia to its first uh, Olympics berth ever. Uh, so congratulations to Luka for that. Uh, did a great job. I'm not really surprised that that happened. Um, so, it, you know, it's interesting how – but Kevin, I just I just want to go back to I want to go back to this. I, I just when Luca was on, when Luca played well, the Mavericks were basically an an almost unbeatable team. Do you feel like there are enough solutions available to the Mavericks this year to make them a championship team? Because they've got to they've clearly got to be more than just Luka Doncic and the and the Donchets. Well, if you get, yeah, thank you. That's very nice. Uh, if, if you get, if, if Przingis comes back and plays like Przingis is supposed to play, then yeah, sure. You know, that's uh, if, if look, if Luke is number one and KP is number two and Tim Hardaway is number three, 
then that's very nice. Uh, that sets up very nicely uh, right there. Then there's a then the, if there's you know you would hope that maybe Josh Green, you know the, the first round pick from this last year, takes a nice step up, and if he does that, and if you know Jalen Brunson did not play well in the play, did not play well against the Clippers at all. There's a guy that was who's been very effective for for the Mavericks, and the, and the Clippers neutralized him. Frankly, he just he was he was nothing. So yeah, I think there's a there's enough there if Porzingis steps up. But if Porzingis doesn't take a step up here and play like he's supposed to, no, I don't think they have enough. And that's why you know the one thing that Mark is good at is at figuring out a way to make people take a contract, you know, that, you know, they got, you know, uh, Sacramento to take Harrison Barnes contract. I didn't think that was possible. They could dump that. Now, as it turns out, Harrison has made himself into a pretty nice player. Uh, but they, he is pretty good at figuring out ways to get rid of contracts, uh, and manipulating a roster and enabling them to free up some money places. I'm not smart enough to figure out how to do that, frankly. Uh, but we'll see what they can do. All right, I want to cover a couple of other uh, areas here before we get out of here. We want to talk about uh, uh, a couple of things. One of them, uh, the fact that uh, um, Carter High School's uh, Shakari Richardson was uh, f- found that she tested positive for marijuana at the Olympic trials. Her her times, her, you know, her first place time was thrown out. Uh, she was given a month-long a suspension uh, that month long suspension really was not an issue that much because uh, the track and field portion of the, the, the Olympics in Tokyo don't start until after her suspension is over. The problem is, is that they threw out her times. And so uh, under the way that the U S team is selected, it's not just, Hey, we like these people and we're going to take this one and this one and this one. It's all judged by your times at the trials. So her, her times are out. So she will not be running the 100 meters uh, at the at the Tokyo Olympics. Now, it's still possible that she could run on the 4x100 relay. Uh, and frankly, I think that, that that probably not only will happen, but has to happen at this point, the groundswell of public support for her in, in this particular issue. Um, I wrote about this last week. Um, you know, I, I thought she handled it all very well. She didn't say, hey, you know, woe is me. I got screwed on this deal. She said, you know, my, I just found out my mother had died. I didn't handle all that well. Uh, I knew what I was doing when I did it. Uh, I, I, I accept the consequences of that. And uh, I'm not asking anybody to feel sorry for me or anything, which, you know, was the perfect response to something that she had did wrong. She had done wrong. Um, and I think because of that, that will help her case on the four by 100. Uh, frankly, uh, I think that they will be more amenable to, to saying, all right, we're going to let you run in this uh, because we don't, uh, we can, we can do that. We have that kind of latitude. So I think that could happen. Uh, but I also think that the, that the, you know, rules are rules, right? We get that, but this rule is wrong. Uh, and it's wrong by the way, WADA applies the rule. There, there are three, three areas in which WADA says you have to, that these uh, uh, drug issues have to affect impact two of these three areas. Number one is, is this a health risk for you? Well, you know, weed is not really a health risk. If you're smoking it a lot, it's like smoking cigarettes. Yeah, it's bad for your lungs, but it's it's not doing anything for you, you know, against you. Really. I, don't, I don't think that you're talking about long-term health risks there. I think you're when you're talking about health risks, you're talking about short-term. Yes. Yeah. You're talking okay, about so cocaine. Let's... You're, you're, yeah. You're talking about something that has a, a, an immediate impact on your body. Number right. one. So, so let's that throw that out. Let's throw that one out. Number two, 
Is this an, a, a performance enhancer? All right. I'm, I'm thinking that unless uh, uh, I can't think of a reason why, why grass would be a performance enhancer for you, it might be a performance degrader for you. I, I would think that if this was the Nathan's hot dog eating contest, <laughs> smoking a lot of weed prior would probably be a performance enhancer. Could kind of relax you a little bit, kind of gets everything going. If it was a Doritos eating contest, probably that's for sure. <laughs> that's for sure. Um, Cheetos, yeah. That's, but yeah, that's I, I've I've never heard of pot as a as a performance enhancer um, uh, in any way, shape, or form. It's a it's supposed to be a chill enhancer. If it was a performance enhancer, maybe I'd go out and find my local pot dealer. Yeah. The one thing it's that, that I, in my research, limited research that I I've seen about it, it said that, yeah, sometimes in, in, in training, it can help you bounce back the next day, you know, but this, we're not talking about training issues. We're, we're, we're talking about if you smoked a joint before you went and ran in a race, would you run faster? No, you would not. Listen, you would if, not run faster. And, and let me just say this. If, if, if this is this big a deal, okay. To the, uh, uh, and I'm not even going to get into all the, the doping associations here, but if this was this big a deal, then don't run the Olympic track, the, the Olympic qualifying track meets in a state where weed is legal. Um, yeah. She wasn't doing anything illegal in the state of Oregon at that point in time. So this is the dichotomy and, and the, the issue that we've got uh, in the, in the States right now is that it's, it's legal in 18 States and it's it decriminalized in, in a number of others. Um, and and so in that regard, I don't understand how this can be uh, how how this can be a disqualifying um, method. Now, go to rule number three. Number three is this: Does it violate the spirit of sports? And now that's a nice broad umbrella, isn't it? The spirit of sports. Uh, I'm not even sure there's such a thing as a spirit of sports anymore. Uh, it's uh, sports is all about making money, uh, and and that's and that is the spirit of sports is a big dollar sign. So, uh, that's a, that's a ridiculous thing to bring up anyway. That's just some way for you to say, yeah, we got one of the other two. We needed one more for sure. We'll say it's the spirit of sports. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I mean, I think the spirit of the sport element comes into this. Yeah, the, the, there was a long period of time where we viewed the Olympics, right. As some kind of pure athletic competition and that it was pure bodies and amateurs and all of this. It is not. It is, it is a money-making opportunity, just like you said. It is a commercial, it is a commercial event. And if that's the case, then we need to rewrite these rules as, as to what violates the, the spirit of the sport. Is it, if it's cheating, it's cheating. But there's no way that somebody smoking a joint could be considered violating the rules or the spirit of a sport. And it, I, I think it's, it's just silly at this point in time that this has become, you know, such a big story. Should she have done it? No, because the rules that are in place say she shouldn't have. But I don't know how what my coping mechanisms would be in that situation. And clearly she didn't feel like she had somebody she could go to who could offer her a better solution. Um, and that just comes down to, again... So many times people are just left on their own to deal with, whether it's grief, tragedy, anything like that. They have to search out and find what works for them. 
No question about that. So uh, anyway, it's, it was a, it was a, a, a sad thing to see happen. She, uh, she was a great story. Uh, we hope that she still gets to go to the Olympics uh, and, and run in the four by 100. I think that'd be terrific. Uh, and, and I think that's probably what is going to happen here, but we'll, we'll, we'll see. Uh, I would not ever say that uh, the people uh, running the USOC running uh, uh, the Olympics are, are doing anything associated with logic. So we'll, uh, we'll reserve judgment on that. All right. One last thing before we get out of here, you know, name, image, and likeness came up, uh, last, uh, week. And, uh, so that's been, uh, approved for players, uh, athletes, men, women, we've seen all kinds of things here. Everybody's going to get a little uh, bit of the action now. So, uh, Evan, uh, you and I want to sign up for this, uh, NIL, uh, and we're looking for a sponsor. I'm thinking uh, just looking at the two of us, Mr. Clean would be really good, uh, as a, a sponsor for, for us. Uh, not that, I mean, just from the neck up, we got that look, you know, not really from the neck down, you know, so much, but neck up. But Mr. we'd Clean. have to shave our old man goatees, Kevin. Well, I'd be willing to do that for a little cash. I'm willing to do anything for a little cash. You know, you, you tell me that you're going to give me money for that. I'm all in, you know? Uh, and, and I think the, even more so my lovely wife is all in for that. You know, she would, she would tell me if I got to put, you know, uh, something across the top of my head, advertising space up here, she'd be all for that too. Yeah. Whatever, whatever brings in a little dough. So you, your, your choice would be Mr. Clean. Well, just off the top of my head. So and you speak. think you're, uh, oh, yeah, off the top of your head. Uh, now, I, I think you have to consider a few things, okay? One is the money. And let's face facts that the money that we're both going to get is going to be very minimal, okay? Number two yeah. is yeah. the product. Pretty much like that, our salary. Exactly. Is the product that you will receive as part of this endorsement. I don't need Mr. Clean. What I need is no, pizza. I, I need pizza in this house. So, um, <laughs> I, as, since I already have a name, image, and likeness, so to speak, pizza at Cane Rosso, I will sign oh. up for, for the, for the uh, pizza program. And I don't care if they give me money. Just feed me. Yeah, I forgot about that. We, you know, I've been trying to put that out of my memory, that, that, that large cutout figure of you, bigger than life size, actually. Uh, that's, that's very disturbing. I, I've, uh, a few times I've awakened in the middle of the night screaming at the, at the mirror image of that. Uh, well, just the Photoshop way they did it made me very much more slim, and I, I think Gina is looking to replace me with that cardboard cutout. <laughs> Which would be really a good idea, I think, at this point. Has the same personality. So. Yeah, absolutely. All right, that's going to do it for our podcast this week. We appreciate you coming in and uh, listening for this week. And uh, be sure to come back in two weeks. We're going to be off next week. Uh, you know, just a boondoggle here. Nobody ever works. You know, the only person that's ever working, Jeff Whittington, our producer. We appreciate that. He's all across America uh, and wherever he stops in his van with his lovely wife. He, uh, he puts on a show for us. So we appreciate that. So we appreciate you too. So we'll see you next time. Bye.